So we're going to be taking a break from our, uh, our journey through the book of Philippians this morning. And uh, Ben's going to be preaching out of Psalm 19 this morning. And um, it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah. Would you open your hearts to God's word and uh, his word preached this morning through Ben? Let's give him a round of a hand. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. Well, uh, you know, I look around and... Some of you know that my wife and I began our marriage 51 years ago down there on Wilbur in uh, Pacific Beach, and uh, we looked a lot like the rest of you right now. <laughs> and it's really kind of emotional to stand here and look at people who looked, well, that's, we were young, and uh, we were just kind of beginning with so many other things, so, much, so many uncertainties. And I also realized as I look around here, I, you know, I, we've been married 51 years, and uh, uh, I have probably prayed for many of you. By that I mean uh, there's a prayer that I, uh, even before I started having kids, rather than I began our family, uh, we, uh, I, I just, just line in, in many of the Psalms, a prayer that, that, that a generation yet unborn would know that the Lord is God. And, uh, and I, can, I can look around, I'm pretty sure you weren't born uh, when I started praying that prayer. And, of course, the prayer got intensified as I had uh, my own children. Uh, but I've been praying for the generation to come. Uh, it's such a joy to see uh, see you all here. And to, uh, you, you, know, you have no idea. You have no idea what's coming. Uh, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, we have plenty to worry about in the world, but you, uh, you who belong uh, to the Lord our God, you are, you are guaranteed that it's going to be good. Uh, now, be, might be a lot of stuff along the way, but it's going to be just fine. Um, so that's just, uh, it's just really a tender thing just to look around and see this. And uh, you're here. Uh, all I can say is stay with it. And 90%, as I so, we told many of you last night, is just showing up uh, again and again and again. And uh, God likes that. So... Uh, this psalm is one of the uh, Bible's uh, greatest hits. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's been sung about usually just the first few verses. Uh, you know, it's uh, the heavens declare the glory of God and so on. Uh, but I want to look at the whole thing, and I'm going to just say the psalm to you. Now, you can open your Bibles and follow and see if I actually got it right. But I, I'd like you just to receive it through your ears. And, uh, but have your Bibles open in Psalm 19 because uh, I'll be referring to it as I go. But, uh, but just receive it. Much of the Bible was really written for the ear. Uh, for, for, many for, for many centuries, uh, there weren't many believers who were literate. And so they had to get it visually in windows and structures, uh, and they had to hear it. And uh, So listen to the Word of God, and notice how it starts. Uh, it starts with the glory of God. And it will end uh, with the same notion, except it'll say, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my, my rock and my redeemer. It's really a prayer that your glory uh, might be evident in me. So just, there's just kind of a bookend here. Just keep that in mind. Uh, but the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies uh, proclaim the work of his hands. 
Uh, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent, which is uh, like a pavilion uh, with a bridegroom coming out. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's like a champion uh, exulting to run the course. Uh, it rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The law of the Lord is trustworthy, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord is perfect, bringing joy to the heart. The law of the Lord is radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure and during forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from a comb. By them is your servant warned, and keeping them is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. This is the word of God. Now, uh, overheard on a bus, uh, a little girl was asking her grandpa, uh, where will we be when we get to where we're going? <laughs> well, that is the question, isn't it? Where will we be when we get to where we're going? Of course, the question is, where are we going? And the Westminster Shorter Catechism, this is one of those uh, great old documents uh, that sum up the Christian faith and certain traditions. But this in particular is it's kind of world famous, and it's, it's something I think that uh, most Christians in all traditions around the world can say, yeah, I agree, I, I agree with that. The question is, what is the chief end of man or mankind or humankind? And the answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And as some have noted correctly, uh, one of the best ways we glorify God is by enjoying him forever, uh, letting him be the, well, the kind of thing that, the kind of one that this, this psalm celebrates. And so the first question is, what is glory? And then we go through the psalm and have it expanded. Glory is weight. Actually, that's literally the word in the Hebrew, kabod. One's glory is one's weightiness. Uh, I like to think of the time I said on, I'm sitting on a sofa, and a very large uh, man, actually played in the NFL, uh, was tall and very heavy, and when he sat down on the couch, it was like this. Uh, his weight, well, 
We talk about weighty people, weighty ideas. Well, God's glory is his weight, his worth, his splendor. Okay. It's, it's so hard to get our minds around this. So the psalm gives us uh, kind of four arenas where we can start understanding God's glory, which is our end. <clears throat> we see it in the skies. We see it in the scriptures. We see it in the Son of God. And we see it in our souls, if we uh, get it right. So let's start with the skies. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge and so on. Uh, John Piper uh, recalls a night on the 4th of July in Minneapolis a few years ago where they were watching the fireworks display. And uh, it was great. Uh, you know, it was, it was glitzy, but uh, it, it, it seemed to kind of put, a, put an arch over the entire city, all this explosions and all this beauty. And they were watching it, and everybody was ooing and aahing. And, and then he said he noticed uh, in the trees uh, a white light. And he paid attention to that white light, and, well, it was the moon rising on the 4th of July. Uh, Quietly, splendid, and unnoticed. And he reflected on this. The moon rises 240,000 miles above the earth, roughly 500,000 times higher than the fireworks. It moves in an orbit at 2,300 miles per hour, about five times that of the fireworks. Its thickness is the distance from San Francisco to Cleveland, 2,160 miles. Its weight is 81 quintillion tons. It has mountain ranges nearly the height of Everest, empty seas 750 miles across, craters 146 miles wide and 20,000 feet deep. And each day this silent behemoth effortlessly lifts all the water on earth. All oceans, uh, some 19 feet in Eastport, Maine, some 10 feet in Boston, up to 43 feet in the Bay of Fundy in Nova Scotia. And if we were on the moon and were to stand in its sunlight, our blood would boil. If we stood into the shade, we would freeze instantly. Add to this the fact that it reflects light from a star, a medium-sized star, 93 million miles away. We notice the sun just a little bit closer, and we would be incinerated. Now, you know, sometimes we binge watch uh, something on Netflix. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's an acceptable vice, I guess. Uh, but how about binge watching the moon? Yeah. Well, the point is, uh, something's being declared here, and it's so like God uh, to do it quietly. You have to notice. Abraham Heschel, great philosopher, said, I didn't ask for money in life. I asked for wonder. So, the skies, they preach. Galileo said God has two books. He has the Bible and he has his creation. Well, what kind of God is being preached about in the skies. Well, we just, I hope, got a 
a little glimpse of it. <laughs> He's awesome. He's amazing. Uh, he is praiseworthy. But then, did you notice the break in the flow of the psalm? You know, the sun, the moon, you know, it's, it's being preached all the time. And then there's this next line. It's just like, what? You get sort of whiplash intellectually. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, and so on. Um, we're impressed by his size, but in the Hebrew, you would notice that the word for God in the first part of the psalm, that of the skies, is El. It's a generic word for God. God, capital G. The next time the Lord is mentioned, the Lord is mentioned, not just God, but the Lord, which is in the Hebrew, Yahweh. Uh, the generic God is available to everyone to see. Uh, the specific God, well, he's revealed himself in his word, in his law. Uh, his law is perfect. It revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, and on and on and on. You see, El, God in general, is, well, we can make up stuff about him. But Yahweh, well, he has opinions. He has a will. And he has spoken in his word, in his holy scriptures. Now, now that, 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 that's just, it's kind of a scandal, you think about it, that we can, uh, you know, and, and all kinds of people to all levels of intellect can look up there and, you know, form opinions about whatever this one is, if there is one. But when you get to the book, well, then, oh, you've got to deal with a very specific person. God, Yahweh. So, the Bible. Is it hard for you? Dry and uninteresting. Well, uh, you're in good company. Um, Martin Luther said about the Bible, sometimes there's been more in a line of Scripture than I could bear to stand under. Other times the Bible has seemed to me to be as dry as a stick. Now, we experience both of those. But we remember, if we're thinking well, that in this book, God is telling us what he's like. And you know, uh, the writers of the Bible, they're often impressed with his size. Uh, God rarely mentions how big he is or how vast he is. He does. Uh, but what he's really interested in is people who fear him. Obey him. Trust him. So let me, let me recommend two uh, spiritual disciplines when it comes to the Bible. The first one is simply the, the, the discipline of imaginative association. Yeah. Uh, take your Bible, open it up, and just start looking around and say, well, This one speaks right here. Uh, it tells us about him. And again, just reflect on the fact. Now, I read about a solar flare that uh, flashed off the moon in 1982. It was so big that scientists couldn't even measure how big it was, but it, they did measure its energy. And they said in, in 20 minutes, it, 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 it releases as much energy as the whole Earth does uh, in a year, including manufactured energy. Okay, just think about that. That one 
Oh. He's talking to me here. Uh, and secondly, ask yourself some really important questions when you come to the Bible. Do I really want to meet God? Do I want to meet L? Generic God? Uh, one I can make up things about? Or do I want to meet Yahweh? Uh, the God who reveals himself. And that is it. That's, that's the question, isn't it? Uh, Mark Twain said, it's not what I don't understand in the Bible that worries me. It's what I do understand. And we like an impersonal God. That's good. A subjective God of beauty and truth and goodness. And better still, a formless God, a life-surging force that moves through us. But do we want to know what his will is? What do I expect to learn if I pay attention to it? How would I act if I believed that there's hidden treasure in this book? Uh, I have a friend who's a college professor, and uh, uh, he and I really hit it off when we met because uh, we, we both came out of the same backgrounds. And my whole family are a bunch of Okies and Texans. And uh, they were, if they, if they finished high school, they were proud of themselves. You know, I was the first person on both sides of my family to go to college. Same with this guy. Now, he's a, he was a professor. And we just kind of hit it off, but we understood each other's raising, our culture, and, and how, how quick we were to fight <laughs> and stuff like that. But, you know, he, uh, he told me about his dad, and he sounded a lot like my dad. Uh, my dad was a bus driver, and uh, it probably, I always felt like he just quite didn't understand why I liked books so much. But he did know why he wanted to understand what was in the Bible. And Jeff, my friend, said his dad was the same way. But he knew his Bible backward and forward, not because he, he was not a, a, you know, a, a discerning reader, but he just thought, there's treasure in here. i got to keep coming back and finding it. Yeah. And uh, I admire that. So the Bible, what, do you, what are you looking for? Yet this is easy. Uh, it gets more difficult, but God says, you may get to know who I really am if you go to my book. Uh, this, the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. Uh, I like this one. The, the law of the Lord is trustworthy. It, uh, keeping, making wise the simple. <laughs> you, you can be smarter than you really are if you just pay attention to the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. I mean, more precious than gold, sweeter than honey. Oh, maybe, maybe it's an acquired taste. It probably is for most of us. But that's what the Holy Spirit's about. So the glory of God, his weight, his majesty, his inestimable worth, the skies in his book, in his law, in his will, and then in his son. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, I, don't, I didn't read son in this anywhere. It doesn't talk about his son. But you know what? His son, Jesus Christ says, you know, it's talking about me. On the day of resurrection, Jesus, it would appear from Luke's account of this whole thing, that Jesus went right from the tomb to two guys walking on a road uh, to a town called Emmaus. 
And they were deeply disturbed and distraught over the fact that the, the one they thought was going to be Israel's savior was crucified. And, and they'd heard rumors about him being raised from the dead. They didn't know what to think. And, and somehow Jesus walks alongside them. They're, they're kept from recognizing him. And he says, what's wrong? What, what are you thinking about? I said, well, you've you, not been around town. You know what's happening? They killed this one. We believed was our savior. And, and then Jesus takes them through scripture. Now, I don't know how much scripture you could walk through between Jerusalem and Emmaus, but he, he's, he started showing us that everything in the Bible that you've believed in, oh, it, it, it's about me, or it's about him. And I often thought, why did, why did Jesus hide himself from these men? Well, I think the answer is kind of obvious. Is that he, wanted to, he wanted a Bible study before they looked at him. If they'd just seen him, Jesus, he's back, they wouldn't want to even open their Bibles. They wanted to look at him. But no, he made them go back to the scriptures. And he said, and again, the church, ever since 2,000 years now, we have been wondering and thinking and, and plumbing the depths of that. This is about Jesus. So when John, you know, John wrote his gospel, um, he said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The word, the book, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No. The Bible, the book, the law. God's in the skies. You can see him everywhere. Uh, he says, it's, I, I've given you my instructions. But even better, I have given you my son. I have no patience with people who tell me they love Jesus, but they're not interested in his book. Really? That What's in that book became flesh, and it's now flesh in the risen Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Bible, the Word of God, the Son, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Right now, I feel like there's, I wish I could do more for us right now this morning. I, 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 this often happens when I get into something like this. I just realize I'm so, I'm so far away from what, I, what I, I hope you can get, what I want to get. Glory! The majesty and the goodness of the creator of the universe in the skies and his book and in his son. And the glory of God in the soul. So you got it. I got a little alliteration here. I hope you noticed that. <laughs> the skies, the scriptures, the sun, and in your soul. No wonder the psalm ends the way it does. May the words of my mouth, O glorious one, and the meditation of my heart, O glorious one, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You can be smarter, wiser, and better than you are if you love his word. You pay attention to it.
I want to close with uh, just three brief anecdotes. Uh, I hope this helped me make this point. Uh, the first is Francis Schaeffer. Uh, most of you aren't old enough maybe to know who he was, but he was a very influential thinker uh, back in the 60s and 70s. And uh, Schaefer had a great effect. Uh, I've spent 25 years of my life uh, working in uh, colleges, uh, plus pastoring some churches. But, I, uh, but this, uh, this man had a great... He, he, again, he thought about... The, he, he wondered about the things we wondered about in, in academia. And uh, Schaefer loved, loved the scripture, and he wrote uh, toward the end of his life uh, in a Christian magazine called Eternity about the Bible. He said, I don't love this book because it has a leather cover and golden edges. I don't love it as a holy book. I love it because it is God's book. Through it, the creator of the universe has told us who he is, how to come to him through Christ, who we are, and what all reality is. Without the Bible, we wouldn't have anything it may sound melodramatic, but sometimes in the morning, I love this, I reach out for my Bible and just pat it. I'm so thankful for it. If the God who was there had created the earth and then remained silent, we wouldn't know who he is. But the Bible reveals the God who is there. That's why I love it. And you wouldn't know a thing about Jesus, who is the Word made flesh, if you didn't have the witness scripture. Well, that's Schaefer. Uh, Helen Roosevelt. You probably haven't heard her name either. Uh, she was a, an Irish missionary, went to uh, Central Africa in the early 60s. I, I met her uh, at a conference. I was with my friend George Lucan. Uh, she, uh, uh, she graduated from med school in, in Ireland without ever having a residency or an internship. She just took all the book work because she couldn't stand the sight of blood. <laughs> go figure. And she goes, she thinks she's going to go to Africa and, uh, you know, prescribe drugs and stuff like that to help, help the, uh, these villagers. Have, but she'd never done a surgery. And she got there, and uh, it took a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of grit, I guess, to do this for someone who didn't like blood, because the first thing she had to deal with when she got to Africa in this particular village was a woman was about to miscarry, and she needed to have a C-section. She had never done a C-section. So she got the book, opened it up, uh, and followed instructions. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this kind of thing. Well, it worked, and then it began many years of very productive ministry uh, in this part of Africa. Uh, the Simba Rebellion was a, a violent uh, rebellion against Europeans and, and the whole colonial thing, and uh, tremendous, uh, lots of bloodshed. She was, uh, she was made a prisoner by the rebels and was abused, beaten, and raped repeatedly. Now, she's telling me this. I'd read about her, uh, and I'm in Africa when I'm doing this, this, this interview. And she, uh, she says, yeah, you know, and I... When I was finally rescued, I had to go back to Ireland and just recover. I had a complete nervous breakdown. And, uh, and then I came back to Africa, and I continued my work, and then I, I just fell apart again. I had to go back to the hospital again. And, uh, but I've been okay now. But, but she said, and, and, having, you know, and doing this interview with you, she said, I'll probably have nightmares tonight over what I experienced. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, 
I wouldn't have interviewed you. She said, oh, no, 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 no. The Lord told me if I'm going to talk about what happened, I need to feel it every time I talk about it. Well, you can imagine the reaction I'm having. And, uh, and she could see in my face. I, I was just distraught. And then she said, you know, people, people used to ask me, uh, was it worth it what you suffered? And my answer was always no. That'd be a good sermon illustration. It was worth it. Look, look what I did. She says, no, no, no. I paid too much of a price. So I thought I was going to get blessed, and then I hear this. And then she said, you know, I was asking the wrong question or answering the wrong question because the Lord said to me after I'd said this many times, it wasn't worth it. He said, uh, Helen, uh, am I worth it? And in her matter-of-fact Irish way, she said, of course you are, Lord. You are worth it. Glory! <laughs> That's what we're talking about, right? Glory! It's the weight of glory, the, the, the splendor of God. And she could say with all she suffered that the glory was worth every bit of it. Well, finally... Uh, I'll close with a story about my second son. Uh, he's all grown up now and has his own kids. Uh, but when he was a little boy, uh, he, uh, he he's pretty impetuous and uh, but funny. He was always funny, and that, which is which is terrible because uh, he knew I thought he was funny, and he could get totally out of line. And his mom is getting madder and madder, and I I'm half-heartedly rebuking him. So he's that kind of, anyway, he's a wonderful man, and uh, he's worked with me in ministry. But when I when he was just a little kid, I remember one day I was uh, uh, vacuuming the rug in the, in the uh, living room of our house, and I was listening to uh, one of Beethoven's symphonies, and uh, it, 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 it was the fifth symphony. I just love the symphony. So I'm vacuuming and I'm dusting, and, and the music is playing loud, and I start dancing in the, in the living room uh, to the sound of the symphony. Dusting and dancing and you know just doing stuff and I, it's not pretty, you guys. Just, just no, I am not. It, 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 it's just not pretty. Watch me dance and uh, but I'm dancing and with with you know wild abandon in the living room with the vacuum cleaner and the duster. And have you ever done been doing something kind of over the over the top and and you thought you were alone but you could sort of feel some eyes watching you. <laughs> and I started having that sensation as some eyes were and there was Joel. Uh, behind the sofa, watching me dance, and just laughing. And uh, I, but I could tell it wasn't mockery. He just thought that was so cool. Look at Daddy dance. So I invited him to start dancing with me. So we started dancing around the living room, and we start we started jumping up on the sofa and jumping over to the chair stuff I had spanked him for if he was doing it himself. And, you know, and, and after a while, I just got tired, and then he kept dancing. And I started applauding him. Oh. If you could see the look on his face, that he was pleasing his dad. Unabashed joy. In a very minuscule way, he was basking in the glory of his fathers. 
pleasure in him. Oh, the law of the Lord is trustworthy. It makes the simple wise. Gives sight to our eyes. It feeds our souls. And it pleases the glorious one. So Paul writes to the Corinthians, he said, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In the name, the strong name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Uh, you don't have to bow your heads. Just do whatever you want. But just think of the greatness of our God. And that somehow, through Christ, we can be an ingredient in his glory, in his happiness, in his joy. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his son. Thank him for what he gives us. Father in heaven, uh, we are your children through your son Jesus. Uh, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, and all of our actions be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.